Thank you so much for joining us today for our LifePoint podcast. At LifePoint, we believe everyone's welcome, nobody's perfect, and with God, anything's possible. Hope you enjoy. And it's not your physical world right now that's your problem. I know that you think it is. I know you're looking for reasons to figure out what is going on, but the issue, the battle that is taking place with you right now is happening in you. And the discontentment that you feel and the angst that you have is not because of what is happening out here. It's because of what is going on in you. It's happening on a spiritual level, an internal component. And there's this verse This verse that has been like at the back of my mind for weeks, like wallpaper on my heart, like for whatever reason, sometimes it's just, it's just there. When I'm paying attention to like, like being still and not doing anything, it just feels like the words are there. And, and it didn't make sense why until yesterday. I am the vine. You are the branches. When you are joined with me, joined with me and I with you, the relation, intimate and organic. The harvest is sure to be abundant. Separated, you can't produce a thing. Anyone who separates from me is dead wood gathered up and thrown on the bonfire. But if you make yourselves at home with me and my words are at home in you, you can be sure that whatever you ask will be listened to and acted upon. And the metaphor of Jesus as the shepherd and us as the sheep paints a picture, presents God to us as the one who provides and protects, for, protects us physically within our moving and changing world, within the moving and changing circumstances. But the metaphor of Jesus as the vine and us as the branches, for me, paints a picture of what our internal world looks like because it's anchored, it's stationary, and that's literally what's, what's, what, what, what this represents, what the metaphor represents. The vine is rooted into the ground and the branches are connected to the vine. They're not intended to move. They're meant to be planted and to grow in the place where they have been planted. And it's interesting to me because in this passage, it doesn't say how the branch became a branch. But it does say that we are the branches and the assumption is that each branch is connected to the vine. And the ones that don't bear fruit, the branches that lack signs of life are cut off and die, which lends itself to the reality that each of us were made to connect with God. We were made to connect with God. We were made to connect with God more than we were made to connect with other people. He put it in us. He made us, made us to be in relationship with him. That's the primary reason why we were made, to be in relationship with him. It's built into us to connect to something transcendent, to something greater, and that something is God. And I love, I love the words that are used in the message translation. They're they're honestly just so intuitive, intimate and organic. These are, this is a great choice of words because intimate would literally mean like close, like personal, like, have you ever seen a plant? Of course you have, but let me make a, you know, you never know nowadays. Can you go ahead and bring me Gary? Gary is our plant. Yes, we have named a fake artificial tree, but don't tell the tree that. It'll get its feelings hurt. Everybody else thought that was funny. That's okay. 
This is Gary. Okay, now I have a question for you. Where does the tree end and the branch begin? I want you to look at this carefully. Where does the tree end and the plant begin? It's a trick question. The entire thing is the tree. Think about this. Think about that's When you talk about intimate, the point is that the parts are all connected together. If I'm talking about the branch, it's actually part of the tree. We separate it, but it's actually the tree. Every part of every single one of these branches, every single one of these leaves belongs to what? The tree. It's one thing. And this is, this is so important. Because it's, it's, it's symbolic of belonging. Because these branches belong to what? They belong entirely to the tree. And in order for the branches to live, to bear fruit, they have to be connected to the tree. They depend on the tree for nourishment, for vitality, for life, for support, for strength. It has to be connected to the tree. And then there's the word organic. And organic simply means without additives. Organic is without additives, nothing extra, that the plant would be left to grow as it is in its natural environment. And the question that God hit me with is that if your version of Christianity is too hard, could it be that it's not intimate and organic? If your version of Christianity is so hard, is it not, it must be that it's not intimate and organic, and that would mean that we have fallen into some kind of Jesus plus kind of Christianity. Oh, that's rich. Because come on, if you grew up in church for any length of time, if you've grown up, you've ex- you know, and, and even if you haven't, you've probably experienced people pushing you away because somebody said Jesus plus is what equals spiritual growth. Jesus plus Bible memorization. Jesus plus no gum in church. Jesus plus no hats, no beards. Jesus plus perfect church attendance. I kid you not, one time I had a conversation with somebody who said, my friend has kind of fallen away from God and he's trying to find his way back, but because he still smokes, God can't see him through the smoke. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> Jesus plus. It's dangerous. It's damaging. It cuts God short. It cuts others off. And the truth is, some of us don't like the fact, like when, when I'm talking about like traditions and customs here, and that might rub you the wrong way. And the problem is, we have been so ingrained, hammered when we were kids about certain things that actually had nothing to do with Jesus. It was our preference, not his purpose. We were hammered. And customs and traditions, they have their place. But when customs and traditions take the place of Jesus, we have a problem. Christianity is not, it's not some cookie cutter, mark the boxes off, get the test right kind of faith. Christianity is all about relationship, and it's simply Jesus. And if your, if your Christianity is getting too hard, can I ask, what might you be adding?
If you're trying to barter, if you're trying to perform for God, can I ask, what is it that you might be adding? Because look at the words of Jesus in Mark chapter seven. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. You have let go of the commands of God and are holding on to human traditions. You have a fine way of setting aside the commands of God in order to observe your own traditions. And what's crazy is that we've all done this intentionally or unintentionally at some point in our lifetime. You know, for instance, and I'll just be honest with you, because I'm trying to actively work against certain things in my life, but I know before, you know, when I see somebody homeless on the road, it's kind of like, well, God helps those who help themselves. Don't work, don't eat. Oh man, God didn't provide for you? Mm, you must have not had enough faith. Oh, you, you didn't get the healing that you want? What secret sin might you be hiding in your life? God didn't give the answer that you wanted? or didn't answer the way that you, that, that, that you were hoping for, something's off. Jesus plus. And my, one of my favorite ones, there's always a favorite one, one that we have been so conditioned, so ingrained with to believe is that you get out what you put in. That you get out of Christianity what you put in to Christianity. That you get out of God what you put into relationship with him. And the craziest thing is that there is nothing that we could have done to begin with and somehow we have gotten this all wrong. Because for so many of us, growing up at home, from our teachers in school, the coaches in the field or in the locker room, and sadly from churches and, and teachers and pastors from their platforms, we've been saturated with a message that you get out what you put in and it has become an American staple and a way of life. Look, it's so far ingrained in us that remember when you were a kid and you had a little folder or a sticker and if little Andy was good today, Andy would get a star. And if you saw me as a kid, I was a cute kid. You'd be like, man, that's a cute kid. And, and it's like, it makes sense why he's so good looking now. <laughs> Got it from my mama. Got to give her some credit. But I had stories about myself, man. Stories I'd be like, you did what? I'll share some with you. Because that's a little, what's, what's not, why not? When I, one time I peed on some kid because... My mom was the school nurse. She had to make that phone call. That was fun for her. You're welcome, mother. One time I kicked some kid into family jewels because guys, that's how we fight and roughhouse and do stupid things. In fifth grade, I told Wendy, Wendy, you can go to hell. Wendy, I apologize publicly. I one time dated two girls at the same time. They were best friends. When they found out, they hated each other, not me. Messed up, man. I was young. You can, roll, you can write that all off. I was a tiny terror. But when that tiny terror finally found its way to match the outward angel, I got a star. I got a sticker. I got a smiley face. 
If I could recite the verse or I said a prayer, oh man, Andrew, you did so good today. Good for you. Sticker. Because they're cheap and kids love them. And you know what was communicated to us when we got a sticker? Today you put an effort and that effort was noticed. And because you put an effort and because that effort was noticed, guess what? Today you get a reward. Slap on a smiley face. Performance-based conditioning performance-based Christianity that has been the foundation of so many of our lives and it is doing us dirty. Because how often when something goes wrong in our lives, it's like instinctively the first thing that we think is, God, what did I do wrong? It's the first thing we ask ourselves. God, what did I do Because somehow we think there is this exchange happening based on our performance or what it is that we do. And it's a question that reflects, that expresses performance-based conditioning and religion. And it's a mindset that we have to break down, that we have to deconstruct. And it starts with understanding that God as the vine and us as the branch requires us to abide in God. And abiding in God is not about doing, it is about being. Abiding in God is not about doing, it's all about being. Abiding, it's intentional. It's, it's intentional stillness, acts of stillness, and you can have it even when the world outside is chaotic. It has nothing to do with what is going on without here. It has everything to do with what is going on in here. Abiding is learning to enjoy, enjoy each other's presence in the present. Enjoying each other's presence in the present. It's being together and being aware of it. And what's crazy is that this isn't why this is so hard for so many of us is because we need like, we, we have created a Christianity that is all about principles and applications and practices. And the problem with abiding is it has everything to do with relationship. And relationship is not measured by, by values and by science, though it tries to do that. Relation, there is something about it that you, you are drawn into somebody else. It's like something inside of me is calling into something inside of you. You know that, especially if you've fallen in love. How many times have you heard the saying, we were meant for each other? It's something about being. And so I'm going to, this isn't just prescriptive. So I'm just going to try to make it simple for you by sharing what it looks like for me to abide. And they're weird. Like two of them are weird and one of them, it makes sense. But for me, learning to abide has to do with three, three places in particular. The first one is in my truck when I'm driving. I do not know why. But for some reason, it's in that space that I have become aware that God is in those moments dropping something to me, uh, trying to communicate with me. The second one is at the gym. Do not know why. It makes no sense. And the third one is here in his house. Because growing up as a child, there was just something about his house, the church, that I loved. And when I learned 
that every little nudge that he was giving me, every little pushing that I was feeling inside of my heart and soul, these ideas that were being dropped in me that I don't know where they came from, when I chased them down, I realized it was God trying to connect and communicate with me. And I only realized it once. I spent enough time pursuing it, chasing it down. And yes, there was some effort on my part, but it wasn't straining. And if you grew up in church, you've probably heard this example before. But if God is likened to the vine, and we are like a branch on the vine, you have never walked by a tree or a vine and heard it going, have you? No. It's not straining to produce fruit. Though it would be funny. They're not striving. It comes naturally. The branch soaks in the sun, gets life from the vine, and all it has to do is be still and stay connected. And from being still, being connected, by being planted, life from the vine bears its fruit on the branch. Don't miss it. Life from the vine bears its own fruit on the branch. And all it has to do is exist, is be connected. Because nature has cycles and seasons, times that God has appointed, things that he has set in motion. Think about it. How does the vine know when to produce grapes? How do vineyards all at the same time know how to produce grapes all at the same time? God set it in motion. God has orchestrated it all. It's not complicated. It's so simple. And yet Christians, with all of our religious grandstanding and of godly wisdom and understanding, have taken what is so simple and made such a mess out of what it looks like to be in relationship with him. You study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. Yes, these are the very scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. You should write this down. You should highlight this. You study the scriptures because you think that the information alone is enough. You take the principles and you try to apply the principles because you think that principles are enough to modify behavior. Transformation comes from experience. This should catch us off guard, especially those of us who claim Christianity because we can know of God and not know God. We can have access to all the information in the world and have zero relationship with him. We can try to use God's word to control our outcomes, to check off the right boxes. Okay, God, your word says, God, these promises to me are, God, I claim my rights. Forgetting that what appears right to you may not be a right for you. We pray because it's the right thing to do. But if we were honest, if we were to boil it down, it's really, really, most often a means to an end. What can I get from you? 
God, here I am, petitioning. Here I am, communing with you. Here I am, trying to be in relationship with you, but how come you aren't? How come you can't? Why haven't you yet? Where are you in? We deceive ourselves. We deceive ourselves. I would be the first to tell you, I deceive myself into thinking that doing certain things, gaining knowledge, gaining wisdom, is somehow pushing me further along. And the irony is that understanding is deceiving. Go back and look at Genesis. Information can manipulate our behaviors. Experience transforms identity. Information can modify behaviors. It is experience that stands the test of time that transforms identity. And the reason why I think our default to fostering a relationship with God is marking off boxes is because if we're honest, knowing and doing are easier to measure than being. Knowing and doing are easier to measure than being. Because when you think about it, there is a constant drift away from intimate and organic in relationships. Think about your own. That over time, a bent towards knowledge and function will find a way to wiggle its way in. Because when was the, when was the time that so many marriages that aren't intentional or so many relationships that weren't intentional, when was, that, when was it at its best? At the beginning. And why was it its best at the beginning? Because of love. Because at the beginning, love makes everything so easy, doesn't it? How how often do you say, or have you heard your friends say, we get along so well, we can talk for hours? Southern Belle, I don't know where that came from. It keeps every time. We like all the same things. He's got the funniest jokes and the biggest biceps. Oh, girl. And the dudes, oh yeah, we got so much in common. She's not like any other girl I've ever met. She's a dime, but it's not about that. She's got a good heart too. (laughs) Guys are funny. When we're in love, we are captivated with burning passion and we are so focused on the joy of the other that their joy, their experience with us becomes the experience we want with them. And their joy becomes our joy. Their happiness becomes our happiness and we delight in them. And we begin to set up our lives in ways just right so that way we can see that smile, hear that laugh, hold that hand, gaze into those eyes. But something happens, doesn't it? When we get comfortable, when we get content, We begin to expect behaviors instead of being in an experience together. And what was once so easy, so intimate, so natural, so loving, becomes selfish instead of selfless. What was once organic and intimate becomes calculative and manipulative. It's a slow death. And it's the same death that so many people have accepted when it comes to their relationship with God. And for those of us who follow Jesus, we need to invite the Holy Spirit, God's presence in us, to reveal to us where we have done Jesus plus. Because it's not Jesus plus how much I've prayed. It's not Jesus plus how good I've been, how many thoughts I've pushed away, how well I read my Bible this week. 
It's simply Jesus. And when Christianity gets hard, you have to get back to Jesus. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That while I was still broken, God died for me. We have to fall in love with Jesus. Continually over and over and over again. And it's hard to fall in love. And it's hard to fall in love with Jesus specifically when we don't know or haven't taken the time to figure out who he is or what he has done. So who is Jesus? Jesus is the visible image of the invisible God. He's a spotless lamb. He's fully human, fully divine. God who has come down in a body as a child wrapped himself up in our own flesh to take on our penalty, our price, for, <laughs> till we can be back in relationship with him. He's Emmanuel, God with us. He's Yahweh, our salvation. And what has he done? He has become the sacrifice to pay the debt that you and I could never pay to fix the brokenness, the ugliness, the dirtiness that you and I feel, the holes that we have. And what's so crazy is Jesus knows what it's like to walk in our shoes. And I think sometimes we forget this because Jesus was mocked. Jesus has been beaten Jesus has been stripped naked and exposed. He has been cursed. He has bled. He has suffered like us, and I would argue that he has suffered more than us when he experienced separation from the Father. And why? Why did he do any single one of those things? Because he loves us. Because he loves you. Because he loves me. And when you fall in love, and when you fall in love with Jesus, love makes it easy to be in relationship. Love makes it easy to have fun and to be intimate and for it to be organic. It's natural to share life. It's natural to seek the other's heart, desire, and drive. And what's even more profound to me is that love knows its limits. Think about this. Love knows its limits. When you are in relationship, you don't have to convince yourself, oh, I probably shouldn't go out and cheat on my spouse or or my partner today. You just know. You don't have to think about it. Why? Because the one who has our attention is who has our focus, who captivates our thoughts. It's like we instinctively know that real love requires something from us. And we don't look at it as something that ties us down or constrains us. We look at it as a way for us to experience something richer, deeper, better within that relationship. And this is love for God. To obey his commands and his commands are not burdensome. Because whoever has the Son has life, and whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. And what's so funny is that for some of us, the first things that pop out are obey and commands, and it's like, oh, there's the rules. And we missed it. We've missed it because it's all about relationship. 
God made the first move towards us. We didn't do a single thing. And God demonstrated to us how much he loves us through Jesus. And when you fall in love with Jesus, it no longer looks like a burden to do the things he says. We no longer obey out of duty. We obey out of delight. We live out of a concern for his heart and how our words and our actions and our thoughts are going to impact and affect his heart. And we have gotten so drunk, just to be honest, like on our own lives and lost complete sight of what really matters. And we need to be people who include God in everything, not out of obligation, but because we want to experience relationship with him, inviting him in to our homes, to our workplace, to our relationship, to our marriages, with our kids. And what's hard about a message like this is this is, you can't just, there's not a principle to apply love. You have to fall into love. You have to take steps towards the other individual. You have to be willing to risk something. You have to be willing to put something on the line. Fall in love with Jesus and see what will begin to happen in your life when you learn to love him and abide in him. See what begins to happen when you take time to just rest in, in who he is. Like, you ever noticed that some of the easy, like your, your best friends, that you can sit in the same room and not say a single word to each other? And there's something just, there's something so comfortable, so natural about that. Why is that? Because you're used to being within the other's presence. And we need to take time to rest and be in God's presence, to allow him to rest in us. And when we anchor ourselves in him, when Jesus becomes the anchor of our faith, it does not matter what is happening out here. He calms the storm. He settles our heart. What's happening in here when we have inner warring, when we have anxiousness, when we don't know what to do, when it gets hard to say, God, I'm, it's hard right now believing and trusting in you. You have forgotten what he has already done for you and how he has always, always, always come through. He has never failed you yet. Fall in love with Jesus. Learn to abide and be in relationship with him and see what begins to happen in your world as he begins to open your eyes to the color, to the love, to the life that is all around you and that is found only in life and relationship with him. Can we bow our heads? Heavenly Father, we're here in this place, God, before you today. God, I just ask that you would begin, God, to do some soul work on us. God, there are some people who have walked into this place today and that exact question has been on their heart. Why does it feel so hard to follow you? Why does it feel so hard to be a Christian? And if they were honest, if they were to look back right now and and evaluate their lives and take inventory of their choices, they've actually kind of cut you out from everything. 
where we were meant to see and find Jesus in everything, we have lost sight of you and we have lost a love for you. And by losing a love for you, we have lost a life that comes along with you. And we need to learn to find the places in our days, in our lives, in our routines where you are trying to be present with us, where you are trying to nudge us, to open us up to just be and abide in relationship with you, to be still with you, even while the world around us is moving. God, open up our heart and our minds to see you in all things. God, help us to fall in love with you all over again. Help us to recognize who you are and what you have done for me, for me, for me. Help us to see and take it and make it personal. In your name we pray. Amen. Hope you enjoyed the podcast today. If this ministry has impacted you in any way and you'd like to help us continue to reach others, please visit lifepointsa.com slash give to make a donation. We hope you have a great rest of your week and we hope to see you soon at one of our Sunday worship experiences. God bless.